Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a Saturday morning edition of The Yard. Yesterday was a rough day, man. It really was. From start to finish, I say rough. It was a busy day. It was a busy, busy day. Got up, had some work to do around here. A lot going on, man. You know, writing a book, trying to get this business up for my wife. There's a lot going on. And uh, our regular stuff, we got camp, got covered a pitch and search, coach search. There is uh, no shortage of reasons for your good friend and host to be on the telephone. So nevertheless, it was a busy day, and so I just didn't think I could do the show justice yesterday. And plus, I wanted to watch a little college baseball. We'll talk about some of that briefly later in the show. Uh, so I said, you know what, I'm going to punt until the morning. And uh, here's the thing that uh, maybe you don't know about me. So, you know, my wife works nights when uh, she's travel nursing, and she's not that far away, but uh, she comes home every week. But, you know, it's about, I don't know, 30 minutes from the hospital to uh, her rental place in, uh, in Tennessee. So every morning I set the clock. She gets off at uh, 7.30 or so. So I set the clock about 6.20 so I can get up and wipe the cobwebs away. And uh, I talk to her on the way home uh, from work. Number one, to make sure that uh, she's doing good and it was a good night, but also, two, that she didn't go to sleep. And so I get out and I talk to her every morning. And then the nights that she doesn't work, it's super cool because it means that I can sleep a little bit later, but also means that uh, she's headed home. Fortunately, they're able to cluster her hours. So she works like three or four days in a row and comes home for three or four days in a row, which is cool. So so I've been out for a little bit now, and uh, I guess it's about 7.20 at this point. But um, So I've been up, got the notes together. We're ready to go for the show, and uh, so today will be um, another camp day, the final camp day of the summer sessions for Mississippi State. And I know I speak for Paul Jones and I both when I say we're very, very appreciative uh, of the access and coverage opportunities that we have at Mississippi State. I'm going to recap a lot of things that's happened to camp over the last couple of days uh, with you in the first segment of the show. But uh, it is a grind. It really is. Because, you know, it's like I made this comment to a friend last night. You know, that article that uh, takes you five or ten minutes to read. So, yeah, we got to get up and go up there and uh, watch your kids, identify who they are, get you some evaluation tips, uh, get pictures, interview them after camp, come back, sort pictures, crop pictures, upload pictures, and then uh, write an article for public publication. So sometimes that five-minute article may take us hours to produce, but um, it is a, a content-rich opportunity for us because you get several players that you can uh, have a chance to talk to. And, and to, yesterday was a good day. Had a lot of uh, uh, teams on campus for the 707. I would say we had more this Friday than we did last Friday, and it's the smaller schools, right? I mean, MRA is there, and that's in no way disrespectful to MRA. That's just the, cl- the classification in which they play in at this tournament. Uh, Choctaw Central was there, Winona. You know, so we've got some prospects of interest on campus. And you know, years and years ago, they just opened it up. Now we do bigger schools one week, smaller schools the next to give everybody a chance to compete and, and uh, you know, for a championship. So it was a busy day yesterday and uh, some, some big names on campus too, some names of interest that uh, we'll share with you. But uh, I would submit that even though yesterday was the smaller – schools seven on seven I would say maybe other than the big dog camp yesterday may have been the most target rich day for us in camp had some really good players on camp and again state's momentum in this state continues to build I had a chance to to um, visit for quite some time 
with uh, one of our most avid Boneyard listeners, former Mississippi State offensive lineman Tobias Smith, now the head coach at Heritage Academy, if you didn't know that. Yeah, how about that? Really happy for him. I always joke with him and call him Tobias. But uh, listen, that's a guy too, man. I went to uh, Tobias's signing day ceremony at the time when he uh, got ready to announce between Mississippi State and Southern Miss. And, you know, we, we were very confident it was going to be Mississippi State. He was the lone player in the scout.com top 25 that had not declared his college intentions. And so I came up here. And uh, went to Columbus High School and watched uh, Tobias become a Bulldog. And little did we know that he was going to be a big part of kind of ushering in a really good era in Mississippi State football. So I wanted to, again, thank Tobias, as always, for being my friend. I mean, Tobias is a guy over the years that, uh, you know, he'll contact me and say, hey, have you seen this kid? Have you seen that kid? And he's just trying to help kids. You know, he's like, hey, I, I played against this guy. Or we coached against this guy. And uh, he's worthy, you know, of some attention. And probably maybe a Mississippi State offer or something. And so he's been really good about that. But also, too, he's just a good dude, man. He is. Tobias is a good dude. And I'm really happy for him. Uh, extremely intelligent guy. I always joke with him, too, about his bionic knees and ankles, courtesy of the Mississippi State uh, football program. But, um, yeah, it's, it, Tobias has been with me, man, for a long time. And it's good to see your friends be successful, right? I mean, the, the thing that I've learned about life the older that I get, the more I accomplish. You know, it's and I've seen these little memes out there, which sometimes are really, really stupid. But if your friends don't want to see you winning, they're not your friends. And so I, I think there's enough room at the table for all of us, right? I don't, I don't think I've got to, you know, dine alone. And so when I see young people come through the Mississippi State football program and then have an opportunity to stay around the game they love and then in turn – uh, you know, sow some seeds in the lives of young people. I think that's very significant. And the fact that so many of them within this state are Mississippi State folks, I think also helps us uh, get those kids to camp and probably get, uh, get them on the radar for the Bulldogs. That's probably the most underappreciated part of uh, in-state recruiting. You know, we talk about we want to be strong in-state. Well, how many of our former players are now coaching the Mississippi high school ranks? Right? I mean, begin to think about that. I mean, maybe you haven't before, but just think about that for a second. How many former Bulldogs, and, and that's probably the wrong term because you're a Bulldog for life, but how many former players are now in the high school ranks that can provide information to your coaches? That's significant. You talk about putting a network together. How about a network of coaches that see players around the state of Mississippi each and every Friday or Saturday or Thursday night into the junior college ranks. That's very, very important. It is. That's not in any way to suggest that they should steer a player to Mississippi State, but they can certainly make your coaches aware of prospects in their area. It's a different thing when, you know, people come in and, you know, other schools within the state, you know, want to go get, you know, kids from, you know, New Jersey or whatever, and then they go back to New Jersey, you know. And you got to wonder, too, Ole Miss folks, if you're, if you're able to get a kid to come from New Jersey all the way to Mississippi, uh, how many schools passed on him in order for him to pass over them to get to your campus? And crazy, they're transferring. All right, let's get uh, back into the show here, get ready to go here. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, Bulldog Burger Company really busy yesterday. You have to think about the camps too. You know, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of hamburgers get sold when uh, young people come to town. And so, very busy day 
at the Starkville location of Bulldog Burger Company yesterday, and that's always good to see. Always good to see. You like to see our local businesses thrive. I don't know that anybody's doing a better job around here at the Bulldog Burger Company. If you want a night out with friends or a night out with family, there's not a better place to go dine than Bulldog Burger Company. Great extensive menu. And again, I recommend, you know, you know I'm a spring rolls advocate, but it, you know, maybe if you had the spring rolls last time, maybe an underappreciated delicacy of Bulldog Burger Company are the wings. Sometimes you can just, you know, order that as an entree, right? Yourself or as an appetizer. Very well seasoned. Uh, very well proportioned. Go, go by and check them out next time you're in town. Get those spring rolls and then maybe get the, uh, the wings as your appetizer. Of course, there's always those great restaurant quality hamburgers. Nobody doing a better job with that than those guys. Bulldog Burger Company now has three great locations to serve you before we take over the world. Right here in Starkville on University Drive. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Get that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. Ride that ride home with a smile. I like a palate cleanser. I'm just one of those kind of people. It doesn't matter how big a meal I've got. I've always got room for a couple bites of dessert. And sometimes that chocolate shake works out perfect because if I don't finish it, I go put it in the fridge and finish it the next day. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk camp yesterday. I would say maybe the most important thing yesterday and I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody, but probably the most significant thing yesterday is a North Panola wide receiver, J.J. Harrell, was on campus. He wasn't visiting. I mean, like, he wasn't camping or anything. He's got nothing left to prove. And uh, he was there to meet with your coaches. Now, I raised a few eyebrows here a couple weeks back, and uh, I put in a flip pick for J.J. Harrell from Tennessee to Mississippi State. Well, he is now decommitted from Tennessee, so it won't technically be a flip. But our Paul Jones yesterday, after speaking with J.J. Harrell, is elected to put his crystal ball pick in as well. And that always gives me confidence, right? Because, like, Paul and I don't always talk to the same people. That's one of the things I don't think people understand. Like, sometimes, like, Paul will put a crystal ball pick in that I won't do it for, like, a week or two, and vice versa. And a lot of that's because we're talking to multiple sources, and until I get a comfort level, I'm not going to put a crystal ball pick in. You know, Paul could have easily just jumped in behind me and say, well, Steve must know something. I'll crystal ball him too. But that's not how we do it. We have some integrity in how we do these picks. And it's not like Paul and I get together and compare notes a lot of time. You know, we want to find out these things independently. And I think that gives us probably a little more accuracy. And there have been some times in the past we just didn't agree. You know, and sometimes I was right, sometimes he was. But Paul's not playing follow the leader here, and neither am I. So we arrived at this conclusion kind of independently. I had a great source on this thing in the beginning, and I still do. So do you know what? Steve, he's not going to Tennessee. He's going to end up staying closer to home. And one of the things that I don't think a lot of people are putting out there, and I'm going to put it out there, is that uh, J.J. Harrell's got a ton of Mississippi State people in his family. And there are a lot of people that hear Panola County and immediately think, oh, well, they've got to be an Ole Miss fan. No, not true. Not true. Matter of fact, some of our... Most loyal Bulldogs live in Panola County, and probably because of the fact they're surrounded by so many Ole Miss people, maybe their love for the university and their fire for the competitions maybe maybe burns a little bit brighter. But J.J. Harrell has a ton of Mississippi State people within his family that grew up cheering for and supporting Mississippi State University. So it's significant because of the fact that this is not the typical Panola County kid. Now, of course, a lot of times South Panola kids, that for years that was kind of a, a feeder school for Ole Miss football. 
uh, hasn't been, you know, maybe as much. You know, we got Janari Dean out of there, and Janari eventually, um, you know, went to Southern Miss and just decided it wasn't for him. And, um, you know, now he's working. He told me he's going to go into forestry, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, we've had some success there. And there was a time when South Panola kind of ran the state in football. And they have kids go to good old Miss. And, and um, you know, a lot of them never really did a whole lot. I mean, one may be able to argue that maybe Kendrick Market had one of the better careers of South Panola high school football players on the college level. Maybe perhaps Derek Pegues. Both those guys, ironically, Mississippi State guys, you know. Uh, and there have been some guys, you know, like uh, – you know, Parade Jerry, I guess, had a good career at Ole Miss and, and spent some time in the National Football League. And that's a good program. It is. But I don't think it's one of those things now where there's this stranglehold on the uh, South Panola football program that Mississippi State can't get in there. And for a long time, there was. But this is North Panola, which is actually closer to Oxford. They're in Sardis, Mississippi. But J.J. Harrell, an explosive player. And uh, I was told, I guess, about three weeks ago that nobody had done a better job of recruiting J.J. Harrell than one Chad Bumpus. And a lot of people were kind of critical all of a sudden when Chad got here. It's like all of a sudden, well, you know, Nora White commits to Arkansas and then then J.J. Harrell commits to Tennessee. Like, well, hey, I thought Bumpus was going to be this recruiting genius. Well, I don't know if that's a fair characterization of things. But – one of your favorite former players and your current wide receiver coach is doing some tremendous work on the recruiting trail right now. And all of a sudden you begin to think about if he gets Donka Burnside and he gets J.J. Harrell, and let's say he gets in a real wide, I don't think you can get all three of them, but I feel really good about Harrell and Burnside. All of a sudden you start putting this thing together and you realize Chad Bumpus could be a real force for us in the state of Mississippi. So, J.J. Harrell now crystal ball friendly to Mississippi State. And, again, he was on campus yesterday. Again, I think it's just a matter of time. Not, not, not saying it's going to happen this week. Maybe it happens in August. Maybe it happens, you know, during an official visit in season. I don't know. But I feel very confident that he is going to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. Now, Fad Clark, one of my favorite players in the class, he was on campus yesterday. And as big and physical as he is, they had him playing safety. Fat, not so fat. I don't, I don't know the, the origin of the nickname Fat. But Fred Fat Clark is not fat. And uh, I tell you this, I met him at Junior Day a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year, and um, he has trimmed up a lot. You can tell he knows where the weight room is. And uh, this is a guy, too, another guy that grew up, is a Mississippi State guy. And told me again yesterday, he goes, you know, and, and no, no disrespect to Ole Miss. They obviously, they did a good job recruiting him. They got him to commit. But he felt like he rushed the decision. And Mississippi State was in his heart. And that was always the big, uh, you know, running joke. Oh, Miss just in this kid's heart. Well, by the same token here, this is a kid that got caught up in the moment and he committed to Ole Miss. And, and now he's rectified that. And uh, locked in, ready to go. And when you start thinking about, you know, putting together linebacker classes and how we've begun to kind of stack these classes together. Yeah, I think fat's a big part of that moving forward. Yeah, I do. I, that guy is a really, really good football player. And uh, Wynonna has been an absolute power in recent years in 3A football. They can protect a little bit this year. They got a chance to win uh, the state championship. Speaking of protection, Mississippi State committed T.J. Lockhart on campus yesterday. He wasn't playing 7-on-7. 
He wasn't. Uh, but he came to support his teammates and then be on his future college homes campus and have a chance to meet with coaches and just kind of talk and hang a little bit. I mean, he, he could have sat home yesterday, but instead he's like, I'm going to drive over to Starkville and go support my guys and be on my future college campus. And he was here. And, of course, he's got to trim up a little bit. But i tell you this, for a guy that size, he does some pretty crazy stuff athletically. I mean, you begin to think about what is he going to look like at a new plane weight? And he probably needs to drop 35, 40 pounds. And this is a guy, too, kind of getting by on natural country boy strength. What's he going to do after he gets two years in this weight room? This kid is going to be an absolute mauler. Can you imagine this? When you see a guy that, man, that is a massive human being. And I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. I was joking a little bit with a couple guys yesterday. I said, can you imagine we run this guy, we pull this guy on the counter tray, and he's the lead blocker, and some cornerback's got to come up and, block, and, and shed that block. He'll plow that guy in the ground. It's incredible, man. But this is a guy here, again, he's going to, you know, he'll have to trim up. You know, one of the things is, you know, it's hard sometimes to uh, add strength and, and lose mass, but, you know, you're dropping fat, you know, and, and, and fat weighs more than, than muscle does, as they tell us. But it's going to be one of those deals that uh, this is a guy here, you know, that his best days of football are ahead of him. Now the guy that's locked in. And so, you know, Winona has two SEC caliber prospects this year. We got them both, as, as it should be, right, as it should be. I mean, we're 45 minutes down the road, and we talk about how South Panola has been so friendly to Mississippi State, to Ole Miss. You know, Winona High School obviously doesn't have that same level of tradition. But we should be able to get those players. Should be, always. And in this situation, you know, we did. I tell you another. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit... Eufy Video Lock. 
That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video log. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And uh, he was, I don't know that he got there after I left yesterday because uh, Knoxville was still playing. Uh, but we've offered 2025 quarterback Kamario Taylor out of Knoxville County. He is Omar Connor's cousin, which there's a, uh, Omar's got a big family. But uh, this is a guy that, uh, very Mississippi State friendly. He lit up Big Dog Camp, really looked good. And uh, when you think about where he is developmental-wise and where he could be, this is a dude right here that I don't care who else offers him. He fits what we want to do. Not saying he's going to make a decision anytime soon, but when you start thinking about 2025 quarterbacks and how we're already on them, and it is going to be a one-quarterback class in 2025, assuming we get two this year. And I believe we will. You know, Josh Flowers, of course, is a guy that's a four-star quarterback, uh, still pretty raw. You know, even, even throwing mechanics, or you know, they're good. They're not great. Uh, Trey Patty at Starville High School. I, I don't think Mississippi State's done with him by any stretch of the imagination. But what, let's say you get those two guys and then you get Camario, I think then you can kind of get on the one quarterback a year type deal. But the fact that we're starting to produce some quarterbacks, pretty significant in the state. There's some years we never have an SEC caliber quarterback. Most years we don't have an SEC caliber quarterback. And now you got Trey Petty this year and then um, you know, Camario for next year. And listen, I, I'm eager to see what happens at Itawamba Agricultural High School this year with John Austin Wood, too. That kid can really throw the football. I mean, it is impressive. And this is a guy, too. I mean, I, I was talking to one of the, our high school coaches yesterday. So they saw him warming up last year and thought, hey, where would this kid come from? So I think John Austin's going to have a chance to play college football too. Is it Mississippi State? I don't know. But I know that we have some options within the state of Mississippi this year and next year. Sticking with 2025, Caleb Cunningham is a freak of an athlete. The top wide receiver in Mississippi for 2025. 
And I think it's one of his big things, too. You talk about the, the benefits of getting Chad Bumpus back in the fold. It's, it's the fact that we're having a pretty good run on wide receivers within our state. No disrespect to anybody else. Previous coaches, future coaches, whatever coaches. Considering the fact that this state is producing wide receivers in the last couple of years at such a good rate, it makes me feel even better about having Chad Bumpus on our staff. I've said this before and I'll say it again. When Chad Bumpus goes into the homes of families in the state of Mississippi, there are going to be a lot of mothers, there will be a lot of fathers. They're going to look at Chad Bumpus and say, you know what, that's what I want my son to grow up to be like. Chad is a very good football coach, but he's an even better person. And, that, and say a lot to his mom for that, right? I mean, Chad is a guy that, hey, you know, grew up in Tupelo, put together a great high school career, came here, was one of the best pass catchers in school history. But the best thing about Chad, and anybody that's been around him will tell you this, is Chad's personality. I mean, Chad is a guy that's very fun to be around, but too, he's, Chad's not this, this consummate joker. If you ever watch Chad in practice and watch him coach those guys, even in camp, I mean, he coaches them. But he loves on them, too. He's not out there just barking out orders. I saw him do a drill earlier this week where, you know, a guy wasn't getting around the cone. And Chad kind of barks at him a little bit. And rather than just sit there and let the kid look silly, Chad gets out there and demonstrates the drill. He goes, hey, here's what I want you to do. And then the next time through, the guy does it right, and Chad's like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what good coaching is, identifying an issue, making sure you get your point across, this is unacceptable, and then make, take corrective action and watch improvement. That's coaching. But I tell you this, if you're recruiting against Mississippi State for these in-state receivers, you better bring a lunch. Because number one, he's doing some work out here. And Caleb Cunningham was a guy in the very, very beginning. People are like, Steve, you know, he's just down there at you know, Choctaw County. Are we going to be able to get him? You know, LSU and Florida and Alabama and everybody else are all over this kid. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit concerned maybe a year ago about him going out of state, and, and sure, that's a concern, but I tell you this, Mississippi State's positioning with that kid in much better shape now that Chad Bumpus is here. Not that Steve Spurrier wouldn't have done a good job, but I'll be honest with you, if I had to pick a guy to, to handle an in-state receiver, I'm going with Bump. I am. And listen, Steve Spurrier, one of our best out-of-state recruiters during the Mike Leach era. But I think in this situation – I got to go a bump. And again, that's not a criticism of Steve. I just think that Chad is a guy that these kids relate to. You know, it's like you, when you don't have to introduce yourself, it makes the job get that much better, right? And you got to think every high school coach in this state saw Chad Bumpus play. So there's credibility in the room as soon as he walks in. It's like, hey, I'm so-and-so from Mississippi State. Oh, that's Chad Bumpus. Big, big difference. That's why it's so significant to get a guy like that back on your staff and recruiting within a state. When you don't have to introduce yourself, it's a whole lot easier to get the job done because people feel like they already have a relationship with you. It's like, oh, I know Chad. I can trust him. Immediately, that's how you feel. Whereas some other coach comes in and, you know, they're just a pretty boy in a polo shirt and, oh, yeah, I'm so-and-so. and I played here and I did all that. Chad doesn't have to have those conversations with people. Just walk in and say, hey, I'm Coach Bumpus from Mississippi State. Reputation precedes him. And I'm telling you, in the event State's able to get Caleb Cunningham, I'm not ready to call that today. It's going to be because of Chad Bumpus, period. 
Uh, another 2025 player, Mario Nash. Paul had a chance to uh, speak with him out of Kemper County. And uh, Kemper County back out here yesterday. We're starting to produce, again, not just Division One offensive linemen. And most years we have one or two. Uh, Nash is going to be one of the better ones in the southeast next year. Right there at Kemper County. And so you start thinking about the fact that you know, we, we have decided with Zach Garnett is that, hey, we're going to prioritize Mississippi recruiting. And we're going to bring back David Turner. And we're going to turn Tony Hughes loose. And we're going to bring in Chad Bumpus. And we're going to bring in guys uh, like Joey Jones and Steve Campbell that know our recruiting footprint well. And I'll, next thing you know, the state is starting to produce at a better rate. This 2024 class is immeasurably better than what we had last year. It's not close. It's really not. And I don't just mean the headliners. I'm talking about, you know, the bottom half of this class, you know, the guys that are true prospects. The quality of – the depth of SEC prospects within this state this year is great. And looking at 2025, I think 2025 is going to build on this year. And the fact that we have got so many people here that are doing a good job identifying players. And I want to spend a, whole, a lot of time with this. But uh, I'm going to share this with you. I think it's significant. And this, this may hurt some feelings. I don't mean for it to, but you know what? If, if we can't be honest with each other, how can we expect the media to be honest about Mississippi State? There's some things that we, did, we didn't do right. And so one of the things, one of the criticisms that we've heard, and some people have alluded to it on message boards, and at times i got to navigate through that stuff carefully, right? But one of the things that used to infuriate me is we would have an in-state kid and let's say the position coach wanted to offer. Well, you know, for some reason, a couple of people within our organization said, you know, until they get a Power 5 offer, we're not going to offer. Now, I, I'm going to say this as honestly and kindly as I can. That is lazy. It's lazy. We're going to let somebody else do our work for us? It makes no sense to me. Well, we love the kid, but until somebody else jumps in the boat, we're not going to offer. If we had taken that approach – we would have never gotten Bernardrick McKinney. We'd have never signed Jonathan Banks. We'd have never signed Preston Smith. You can go on and on down the list. We wouldn't have signed Tobias Smith. You know, I mean, I know Baylor was on him a little bit. My, my point being is that one of the things that made the Dan Mullen era great is the fact that we trusted our own evaluation. We weren't scared to be the lid lifter. We weren't scared to get out there and say, you know what, we like this kid. He fits our culture. He fits what we want to do. We think he'd be a great Bulldog. We're going to throw an offer at him. We don't care who all offers. You know, people forget Dak Prescott. I think we had, like, what, Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Monroe. Guys in the National Football League now. You got to trust your own evaluation. It's like, okay, we love this kid, but we're not going to offer until Ole Miss does or until somebody else does. And then we'll jump. What, is that, what message does that send to the kid? You know, and if I'm Ole Miss and I'm out there first and all of a sudden, well, look at Mississippi State. I mean, you know, that, remember the big joke we had? Like as soon as State would offer an in-state kid, then Ole Miss would offer. You know, we used to call it, you know, follow the leader, you know. I remember there was one particular kid that I said, hey, we finally offered so-and-so, and I suspect he'll have his second SEC offer before dinner. And sure enough, he did. But in this state, if we're going to be truly committed to this state, we can't be playing catch-up. And that's what I loved about the fact that we have restructured it and we've got Brad Peterson and got guys in here that understand what was significantly better under Dan Mullen. And for that matter, Sylvester Croom. You know, we didn't mind being first. 
And I can tell you this, there were a lot of college coaches around the country. They paid attention to who Dan Mullen offered on a quarterback trail. And Dan would, Dan would trust us on evaluation. He'd say, oh, let's offer the kid. And we weren't going to take his commitment until we had a chance to come into camp and work with Dan directly. But all of a sudden, Dan offers a quarterback, and you come back two weeks later, and the kid's got ten offers. You, know, you have to trust your own evaluation. Like I go back to Kelly Jones last year. This is one of those situations last year we didn't talk a whole lot about. Guys, Kelly Jones was a freak long before he was a commitment to Mississippi State. I remember talking to Henry Johnson. I was like, Henry, what is the deal with this kid? I look at his film. He's electric. This guy's explosive. And all he's got is JUCO offers. Is he not going to qualify? Because that would make some sense. And he's like, no, I don't understand it either. I don't understand why people haven't offered. Of course, then state offers, and then we get him committed to big dog camp. And I'm, people are like, well, Steve, I don't know. I, I knew. I knew. I know an SEC prospect when I see one. you got to stop looking at offer sheets. People are like, well, I feel better because, uh, you know, this, this offer and this offer. Then go root for Ole Miss because that, they're offer counters. I don't, I don't care who offers or who's reported to have offered because more times than not, those offers are not correct. And there are a lot of those offers that are like getting the boat offers that aren't committable. It's like we're just going to throw this at him, and it's basically a glorified invitation to camp. But when Mississippi State offers an in-state player, no matter who the coach is, that is a player that we want, period. And that's how it should be. But if you're waiting for other people's evaluation to validate yours, then you're in the wrong business. You know, I go back and look at, you know, what did you see this week with Jay Lindsay? You know, Mississippi State uh, tight end commitment, right? And some of you know where I'm going with this. I don't think – maybe the casual fan doesn't realize this, but uh, there was a, a big discussion – when uh, Jay Lindsay committed to Mississippi State, why are we taking this kid? I don't understand. You know, this private school kid from Butler, Alabama, why would we take this kid right now? Let's just wait. Why don't we do it in December? That kid's going to be there. Yeah, Alabama offered him this week. We're going to wait till after Alabama offers? That's the point. That's not an in-state kid, but that is, again, trusting your evaluation and the fact that these guys fit what you want. Period. And now Alabama offers. So now it's like Alabama playing catch-up. And listen, it's going to be tough to keep Alabama from plucking him, and it is. And it wasn't like he got an offer from Alabama as an invitation to camp. He went to camp and then got the offers. He wasn't going to earn the offer. And it's going to, we've got to fight on our hands to keep that kid. We do. But that being said, what's encouraging to me about that is, is now we have other people validating our evaluation. We're out first, and that tells me we're doing a great job. Like when Neil Stopchinski got hired, and Neil works for us now, uh, when Neil got hired, that was part of Neil's charge under Dan Mullen. It's like, hey, I want to be first on these in-state kids. And so I need to have, you know, a, an up-to-date rankings at all time of who the best players are within our state. And, you look, again, go back and look at the success we had with in-state kids. You know, Tavez Calhoun was a guy that uh, – you know, we kind of uncovered, you know, looking at Quay Evans. We all knew who Quay, Quay was, and the next thing you know, a few people were talking about Tavez, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And I love Tavez Calhoun. I do, man. I love Tavez Calhoun. Love that kid, man. I do. I call him a kid, not a kid anymore. He's a man. But I go a Thursday night ball game to watch Quay Evans play against Choctaw Central. It was one of those deals, I'm going to catch these guys on Thursday, catch somebody else on Friday, and then we'll see Mississippi State on Saturday. We'll get home on Sunday. There were times in my life that my wife has been a football widow, right? It's true. 
And so I go to the ball game, and uh, Tavares is not expected to play. And so there was a guy up in the booth. I want to say he was a radio guy. I know he's a Mississippi State guy. And, I, and you have to forgive me. I forget your name. I see you a lot. But he said, hey, it's unfortunate you're here this time because you know one of our better players didn't play in Tavares. He said, he's a great kid. Anything you could do for him, let us know. I thought, well, I'll put a profile page together. Well, at halftime, Choctaw Central is beating Morton. And lo and behold, I looked down there at halftime, and Tavez Calhoun, who was uh, you know, sitting out for an injury, not, nothing major, but they were just going to let him rest. I guess they assumed they had the, that game handled. And so um, I look at halftime, and, and there's Tavez Calhoun out there um, warming up. And so Tavez comes in the ball game, takes over, makes some plays, offense, defense. Morton gets a lead, and Tavez takes his pads off. Game's over. It's crazy. So I continue to kind of follow him, stay in contact with him. And then, lo and behold, he wins the MVP of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game that year. It was supposed to be the C.J. Johnson show. Tavis Calhoun made some big things happen. And um, Louisiana Lafayette went ahead and offered him huts, but then Reed Stringer and those guys. And then, you know, we get him late. But, again, that's a guy that we were on. We just offered him late. But – you recruit him, and Tony Hughes has just has such a great job with that. But we built a program on under-recruited kids from the state of Mississippi. I remember Chris Wilson telling me years ago, if Caleb Yules lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, he'd had 50 offers. He had a bunch, even though he was at Yazoo County. So everything we need, for the most part, is right here within our state. So I don't need us to go out there and just, you know, carpet bomb Jacksonville, Florida – you know, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to make 50 offers. And you know what? You're probably not going to sign a single kid. Maybe you get one or two to come to camp. But look at what's worked for us historically. That's not to say that, hey, this is what we've always done and this is what it's got to be. But when you look at how in-state recruiting has gone in recent years and the fact that things are cycling up, we've got to be committed to Mississippi recruiting. And Zach Arnett has committed to that and not just said it at a press conference – or put together a hashtag or a T-shirt or a hoodie or anything like that for the window dressing approach, he went out and staffed his entire staff with that in mind. And now you're beginning to reap the benefits from it. It's important to understand. It is. And by the way, too, before I get, we move on, Damian Miller from Port Gibson, recently committed to Southern Miss, uh, came back to, to campus and put on a show. 6'2", 190 pounds, ran a 4'5", flat at uh, Big Dog Camp. And then he gets a 35-inch vert and a 10'3", broad jump. That guy's a freak. He's a freak. I think it's important to understand that, too. That's kind of the same vein we're talking about. We hadn't offered him first. We may offer him last, but we'll see uh, kind of how things progress. But uh, there's some players that stood out the last couple of days. And, again, we'll be back out there today kind of wrapping up camp. We'll talk a little bit about any of the events on Monday. We've got a few kids here. Uh, today that'll be – I'm interested to see the work. But uh, that's your camping update. As always, brought to you by Bulldog Burger Company. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is my friend, your friend, a friend to all those in need. Blair is a mortgage professional. And uh, maybe you have kind of run afoul of what you wanted, right? Maybe. Maybe you got in a bad loan. Maybe you had a tough spot. Maybe you've accumulated some credit card debt. You know, maybe your refi is the way to go. 
this time of year is very, very popular in the real estate game. You know, we've got a lot of uh, Mississippi State Bulldog real estate agents, too. I know that uh, their social media feeds are always full of those uh, ads for new listings and things like that. You know, that's the thing. You see that, you think, man, I'd love to have that home, but how do I go about it? Well, here's what you do. You call Blair Chandler. And you let Blair know, hey, Blair, I want to make this thing a reality. His phone number, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Guys, I don't need to give you his resume. It kind of speaks for itself. You have 22 years of experience. This is a guy that will get you to the closing table. And I'll be honest with you, there's one of the most frustrating stretches of my life uh, for the most part, it's been you know mortgage lending, man. It's like not that I've had problems getting approved, but it's, just, it's such a long and laborious process. And it's good to have somebody like Blair to kind of navigate you through and say, "Hey, here's where we are. Keep you updated." You know, uh, one thing that I hate to do as a customer, no matter what business that I'm in, is I got to call you to get information about me doing business. Last time I checked, I was a customer. You should be contacting me. It's not that I have some sense of self entitlement, but the bottom line is, is that I can do business with anybody. So I don't need to be sitting around every day and hearing from the wife or the kids, hey, what's going on with this? I, I, you should let me know every step of the way. And that's Blair. Blair will take care of you. You won't have to sit around wondering. Blair's a mortgage professional. Be sure and uh, hit him up today. Visit his website at closewithblair.com. C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. All right, I got hit up on Twitter yesterday, and I can't recall who sent it. Um, but uh, they said, hey, Steve, we've had a tough time here in Gluckstadt. And, and listen, the storms of central Mississippi have been ridiculous. And it looks like we got some more on the way today. Uh, it's, it's pretty nuts, man. And uh, I'm kind of scrolling through here right now as we're discussing this because I want to give credit when I can. But, uh, you know, I got a lot of family in uh, central Mississippi. And, uh, you know, all four of my sisters went to Canton Academy. And, um, you know, and they settled in that area. And so there's a lot of that, man. There's a lot of that, a lot of people that I know, a lot of people that, um, you know, that are important to my family that are dealing with an awfully lot, an awful lot, you know. And that's um, one of those things you begin to think about. You know, we get so caught up in everything else. There's so much of things that happens in life. Um, it's easy to get distracted. It is. It's easy to get distracted. And so when we have moments like these, it kind of drives home the fact that there is, there's bigger things than sports. There's bigger things than work. There's bigger things than our, our self-care. You know, that's so much of that, too, that uh, has become so incredibly selfish. Uh, do you think anybody cares about that when they lose their home? That's, that's true self-care right there. And I don't mean self-care where I'm just going to turn my phone off and I'm not going to respond to anybody because I just want to be selfish, right? Uh, but when people really love you, and um, I think that's an important aspect of things. When people really love you and you've got so much going on and so much to do, and the next thing you know, you're just living life and then life reminds you that you're not in charge. It's very humbling. And one of the things that I'll share, too, is I remember in, in the days after Katrina, our people within this state, no matter their rooting interest, we have a quiet dignity about us. We just kind of get on with it, right? We don't, we don't need to go get on, on uh, 
on television and whine and cry and that kind of stuff. We did. We just kind of get back to work. We do, and that's not in any way to suggest that uh, you know the people that are on TV aren't suffering. That's not what I'm trying to suggest. But we're not the kinds of people as Mississippians that uh, consider ourselves victims. We just get back to work. And so this one is uh, for you guys, uh, those of you that are affected by the storm. And again, I, I could not find the, uh, the tweet, but um, he goes, hey, Steve, how about songs about storms? So let's do it. Uh, now, I will tell you this, too. One of, uh, one of my favorite songs about storms didn't make our list because, unfortunately, it's not on Apple Music. But it's from uh, the Memphis band Tora Tora. And uh, I absolutely love this song. I find it on YouTube sometimes. And when I'm down, I kind of put it on. And it makes me happy. And it's uh, Shelter from the Rain from Tora Tora. It's, uh, you know, there's only three Tora Tora albums on Apple Music. But maybe Roy can find that. I don't know. On Spotify. I'm not a Spotify guy. Roy is. But uh, Shelter from the Rain is just one of those songs. I don't know what it is about that song. It's just, I don't know. It's very comforting to me. So I wanted to throw that out there. Many of you thought, well, just in Tora Tora walking shoes. Yeah, but there's so much more. And Anthony Quarter and those guys uh, have done a great job and uh, reunited here in recent years and beginning to produce music again. But uh, if you know that Surprise Attack album, it's phenomenal. And then Wild America is right behind it, also a great album. But uh, some good tunes from uh, the guys at Tora Tora. Unfortunately, we couldn't get it out there. So I wanted to have kind of an eclectic list today in many respects. Uh, there are no Garth Brooks songs because Garth won't allow his music to be streamed. Um, but, you know, when the thunder rolls, even though that's a metaphorical storm, right? It's more about, you know, a relationship falling apart. And uh, But anyway, a little different group. All right, so Coy Walburn's a guy that is always on me about doing more true alternative music like 80s and 90s, so he'll appreciate this one. Uh, but it's the Pixies song, Stormy Weather, and it's unlike anything else on this on this album, on this list, but... Uh, Wanted to get that out there for those of you that maybe are alt-rock fans. Because like now, alternative rock is like this rock, right? It's no, there's no alternative anymore. It's just rock. Number nine, a song that from a legendary band, and maybe you don't know it as well. I remember when this album came out, like all the girls that in my sophomore class or junior class, whatever it was, this immediately became their favorite song on the Bon Jovi New Jersey album. And it starts with a tremendous, tremendous acoustic intro from Richie Sambora, some of his best work. And there's a lot of talk about Richie reuniting with the band for one more run. That'd be cool. But it's the great song, Wild as the Wind, from Bon Jovi, number nine on your list. Number eight, we're going to rock it up a little bit more here. One of my favorite rock bands, my youngest son, Ian, is named after the singer of this band. It's The Cult. That's right. It's rain. And there used to be a dance version of this. It's a rock version of this. There's all this kind of great tracks, but here comes the rain. I think it's one of Ian Asbury's uh, best vocal performances. But rain. And the chorus says, I love the rain. Maybe you don't right now in central Mississippi. But again, I wanted to get the cult on the list. Number eight, the cult. Number seven, how can we have a song about weather and not include Adele's Set Fire to the Rain? What an incredible powerhouse of a voice. And uh, got some great songwriters around her, too. Um, not just her track. She does write a lot of her own material, but that does have some help. But the Set Fire to the Rain is one of those absolutely incredible powerhouse vocal songs of this generation. And a lot of people have really identified with Adele because what a great story. 
Number six. And for the rest of the way, it's pretty much classic rock, man. It is. We've handled alt rock. We've uh, you know, done some pop rock and we've done some pop music. But number six, The Dark Mind of Jim Morrison and The Doors. I was surprised The Doors list. We did The Doors a couple years ago. I, th- I thought that list would do really great. It didn't. Not sure why. But nevertheless, The Doors, Riders on the Storm, number six. Number five, I remember when this album broke, man. It was almost like in my generation, like there were so many people um, they were kind of followers, I guess. You know, I, I remember listening to ACDC with my cousin Mark and his friends when I lived in Hattiesburg. So, like, I, I knew about Bon Scott, you know, you know, Back in Black and all that stuff, and Brian Johnson joined the band. But it was almost like when um, the Razor's Edge came out that, like, there were people in my generation was like, oh, I like ACDC. And they, they'd kind of heard them peripherally. And there were a lot of people that... Um, but it was like, okay, now we've got our own ACDC album. You know, it's like, hey, ACDC wasn't just like my big brother's band. Now we've got our own ACDC. And so Razor's Edge came out, and uh, immediately Angus Young became like a superstar to people that didn't fully appreciate the older stuff with the track Thunderstruck. That's your track today, number five on your list, ACDC's Thunderstruck. Number four, Going back even farther, one of the most beautiful songs I think ever written in many respects. John Fogarty, I don't know that John's fully appreciated by this generation. I mean, you can just go put some stuff on, not just the hits. You can just go put on some old CCR stuff and just kind of this, you know, I know guys are big on vinyl these days. Just go put on an album and just let it roll. And then the genius of John Fogarty will just wash all over you. What an incredible lyricist, man. But we're going to go with Have You Ever Seen the Rain? Great, great track. And, of course, it's kind of metaphorical, too. But uh, I think one of John's better tracks. Number three, we hadn't, I don't think we've ever done this band. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest with you. I don't know that they deserve to be in there before Iron Maiden or Motley Crue. People want Cindy Lauper in there. Give me a break. But it's the Eurythmics. Here comes the rain again. Annie Lennox, incredible singer. She is. And I'll be honest with you, when I was younger, I, I was like, she's kind of weird looking. Got a little bit older and said, you yeah, know, pretty attractive woman. I mean, she's not, you know, not going to be a model or anything, but it's, it's one of those things, too. Like, in the beginning, they were, their image was one thing, but Annie Lennox's vocal range was, I think, in some ways, kind of muted with the Eurythmics. If you go back and listen to her um, solo stuff, like the song Why, it's incredible. I think she really blossomed as an artist after she left uh, Dave Stewart and Eudor Mix. But uh, this is one of our first introductions to the, uh, the majesty of Annie Lennox with Here Comes the Rain Again. And hopefully we can get through this weekend without uh, any big problems with that. Number two, a song of inspiration, a song of uh, fortitude. It's Aria Speedwagon's Riding the Storm Out. I'm not a huge REO guy. I know some of you guys, some people like see them on the same level of like Journey and Foreigner. To me, they're a step down. I'm just being honest with you. To me, I know that they're contemporaries. I think, I don't don't have them on the same level as Boston. I don't have them on the same level as Journey or Foreigner. I do like them. 
I just don't like them as much. But Riding the Storm Out, a great track from REO. I think maybe one of the reasons I don't like REO as much, too, is, uh, I don't know, it was just one of those things where um, I think they got big, you know, they were a little bit sappy. And, and in hindsight, maybe I appreciate those songs a little bit more. I can't fight this feeling anymore, you know. I mean, once you've lived it, you know. And then, of course, Journey had a bunch of uh, ballads. I said Foreigner. I mean, that was a big part of things. But for some reason, there was just... I didn't I didn't sense the same level of authenticity with REO Speedwagon. And I know I'm going to get hate mail for that. But I, I like them. I don't like them as much. But I do like the track Riding the Storm Out. Number one, though. And I would say this is probably my favorite song from the Rolling Stones. And uh, why well, it doesn't technically have rain or the storm in the uh, in the title? It's "Give Me Shelter." I absolutely love it. Corey Taylor and Lizzie Hale did a great cover of this recently, but nothing compares to the original to me of "Give Me Shelter." That's the lead track on "Let It Bleed" from the Stones. The older I get, the more I appreciate the Rolling Stones. And then that, when I was a kid, I didn't like it. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I thought Mick Jagger kind of got on my nerves. And I got a little bit older, and I was old enough to kind of appreciate it. I remember, you know, there were a few songs here and there, but, you know, by the time the 80s came around, the Stones were really kind of just a top 40 band. And you go back and and you put on a live version of Wild Horses, and, and you have that person in your life that that song kind of exemplifies. And you begin to see, I think you've got to be a certain age to fully appreciate the Rolling Stones. And I have so many young people that say, I don't like the Stones. I'm like, well, just give it time. But the Stones are great. They are. But I know that there are a lot of people out there that aren't sure about them. But uh, to me, I don't know how anybody couldn't like Give Me Shelter. And when you're in the storm, that's the deal. You want somebody to give you shelter. So there you are. That's, it's a fitting addition to our top ten list today. So there you go. Top ten songs about storms. And uh, I just I moved it up on the list because you know somebody said, "Hey, we really got hammered last night." So you know it's the least we can do, put together a little list of storms. But uh, you know, one I, I tell you a track that I love, and um, next time I sit in with Brian Jones, maybe we work this up. But um, I didn't include it because it's about a hurricane. It's a song "Hurricane" from Band of Heathens. I absolutely love that song. If you don't know that song, check it out. It is amazing. It is an amazing song, and it was kind of written about, you know, the hurricanes that come through New Orleans, and, you know, it, it talks about that. You know, it takes, it takes a lot of water to wash away New Orleans, and uh, it's, you know, it's a great song. Didn't make our list, but uh, probably worth, worthy of an honorable mention, Band of Heathens, Hurricane. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. Roy and I are happy to do them. Roy uh, doing the yeoman's work here, doing, you know, putting these lists together for us and distributing them. It was his idea to do this. Like, I did the top ten list, and he's like, what if we put these things together? I didn't want to deal with it. He goes, I'm happy to do it. And, and you know, there are a lot of people that jump on board and say, hey, Steve, I'm happy to help you. And then in time, it, it, it wanes, right? But Roy has become a staple of the show. Does a great job for nothing, you know, just for being my friend. Puts these lists together, puts them out there for you guys to enjoy. And it's incredible to me that some of these lists sometimes, these numbers come back, and it's, you know, 20,000? It's insane, the impressions these lists get. And so I appreciate your support of Top 10. If you have an idea for the Top 10 list, reach out let us know. You can find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Also, our great list under that same handle on Spotify. And I'm on all forms of social media at ScoutSteveR. Thanks again for your support of the Top 10 list. 
All right, next segment of the show is always brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution, doing a great job for a great fan base for an awfully long time. A lot of people make the claim they have the biggest selection of Mississippi State merchandise. That claim is incorrect because Campus Bookmart, they are the rulers of the throne, not just claimers of it. Go by and check them out next time you're in town, neatly positioned on the backside of campus. You can go by and uh, peruse their fine selections. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. It's where I shop. It's where you should shop. It's one of those places that uh, needs to be a regular game day stop for you. But if you can't, maybe perhaps you live in a, uh, you know, in the mission field. If you live outside of the state of Mississippi, you can uh, have it delivered directly to your door. Miss Kathy Brown doing a great job, a great job, finding you the latest in Mississippi State merch. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk a little bit about this pitching coach thing. There have been a couple of developments. Now, I'll, I'll share with you. Let me th- I forget what day it is. Today is Saturday. So on Thursday, I had somebody tell me, hey, Justin Parker from South Carolina, it appears that he is going to turn the job down. Now, that is not true. He hadn't done that yet. He may. He may. You know, the search may go on. I, I'm told that State has narrowed the, the field down to three candidates. Justin Parker appears to be candidate one, appears to be the case. Now, so I worked through Thursday and like, hey, you know, here he's going to turn it down. And uh, so I reached out to a couple people in the South Carolina media that I know really well. It's one thing about doing this job for as long as I have and as much as I travel. You meet people, you trade numbers, you follow each other on Twitter. And when it's time to compare notes, you can reach out and do that. And more times than not, people know things that you don't. So on Friday, I find out, hey, this is probably something worth watching. Now, a lot of it kind of centers around the Miami head coaching job. And a lot of people hear this and they think, well, Steve, you know, we're being treated as a backup plan. I don't think that's the case. I share this with you to make sure you understand kind of what Justin Parker is having to navigate a little bit. So Justin Parker, obviously a guy that uh, from Fort Wayne, Indiana, played at Wright State, went to coach at his alma mater, worked his way up the ranks, followed Chris Simonis at Indiana, and now he's in South Carolina. And uh, done a good job there. And a lot of people don't give Mark Kingston credit for the turnaround this year. They give it to Monty Lee, former Clemson coach, who is uh, actually in contention for the Cincinnati job. However, however, the um, – the Miami job is uh, one that, uh, you know, there's J.D. Arteague down there that's been there forever and a day. Uh, legendary pitcher for the Hurricanes. Has his number retired on the wall out there. And uh, been a pitching coach 21 years. He is a Cuban-American. Knows all the Cuban scouts. And in Miami, basically, you know, 50% plus of your roster are going to be people that uh, are Cuban-Americans. And so, J.D. is probably the guy in South Florida when it comes to uh, – you know, the relationships that are required to recruit those players. And so there's a lot of discussion that, hey, in the event Mark Kingston gets that job, but he is one of the names in running. And uh, Kendall Ryder reports yesterday there's a top three, and he wasn't one of those three. 
But I do know that Kingston is pursuing this job. And if he gets the job, the understanding is they would keep J.D. Arteague. A lot of people want J.D. to get the job. I don't know if it's going to happen to be the head coach there at Miami. So, you know, Justin Parker's in a situation that, hey, if his boss leaves, he's not guaranteed a position at the new school. And there's always a possibility that South Carolina would hire a new coach and Parker and retain. Now, they could just say, hey, if Kingston leaves, we'll give it to Monty League, and he would certainly probably keep Justin Parker. And so there's some anxiety associated with the South Carolina gig. And what's interesting, to what is happening at South Carolina? I mean, Ray Tanner is a baseball guy that won a back, you know, back-to-back NAFL championships in South Carolina. And so what's interesting, if the numbers are to be believed, and I suspect they are, because nobody has corrected the record, Mark Kingston at South Carolina right now is the 13th highest paid coach in the Southeastern Conference. He's making even less than Kerrick Jackson at Missouri, who just took that job from Memphis. Nick Mangione is the least highest paid coach in the Southeastern Conference, and he's in the process of negotiating an extension now, which which should move him up a list. So then Mark Kingston would be the lowest paid coach in the SEC. What, What is going on? Where is the commitment to baseball at South Carolina? I mean, they had Founders Park built. It's amazing. The second-best stadium in the Southeastern Conference. It's not close, to be honest with you. There's Duty Noble. Then there's Founders. And it's kind of everybody else. Uh, I'd put Baum up there. Probably Ole Miss, too. Um, But the reality of it is it's interesting that South Carolina is not doing more to secure these things. And now one of the things, too, about Kingston – is, you know, them making the Supers this year was a bit of a surprise. You know, beginning of the year when we did our college baseball preview, I said I wasn't really sold on South Carolina. Then Ethan Petrie ends up being a freshman All-American and does a great job there. And the right fielder for, for, for that program and one of the better freshmen to come through that program. And then the pitching work of Justin Parker's group, you know, like Chris Veach. I mean, it's phenomenal when you see the development of Chris Veach. I mean, that's a guy right there that uh, – was kind of a mid-pitcher, but down the stretch, man, that guy was absolutely filthy. And so what I think about with this whole thing is there's a lot of people that are talking about leaving South Carolina. There's some off-the-field staffers that are leaving South Carolina. Kingston is trying to get out of South Carolina. And now Justin Parker is kind of left thinking, okay, i got to find a job somewhere, whether it be at South Carolina or elsewhere. So I don't think this is a deal where it's like, hey – we're a backup plan. I don't believe that. And I think in an ideal world, you know, if Kingston was doing well and everybody was happy, Parker would stay there. I think they're happy there. You know, he's married. They had a son uh, last December, raising a young family. So, yeah, it would make sense that he would stay there. However, things change in college coaching. So, Parker is a guy that Mississippi State identified very early in the process, and I understand that State got permission to speak to him earlier this week was told late yesterday, or yesterday afternoon, that there's a possibility of Parker being on campus at Mississippi State this weekend. Now, how cool is that? Now, what's interesting, and I know you guys do the, uh, the whole flight aware thing, right? Maybe you do. As, uh, as you hear this, as you hear this show, and by the time that, that uh, the show is over, this will already have come to pass, but... Um, there is a flight inbound to Starkville, Mississippi from Columbia, South Carolina. That's a, a Learjet that's owned by Maroon Air, LLC. 
So if there is a plane en route from Columbia, South Carolina to Starkville, Mississippi, one would probably be led to believe that Justin Parker is on it. Perhaps his wife is. And uh, I had somebody in the South Carolina media said, oh, I think he really wants to stay. Well, my question to that is, if he really wants to stay, why is he on a plane to Starkville, Mississippi? If Chris Simonis can pull this off, if we can land Justin Parker, this is an absolute home run. There is no question about it. This is the home run. Now, early on, people thought, you know what, if we can get Jason Jackson from Alabama, and one of the things with Jason, too, is Jason's the guy probably could have brought some arms with him. I don't know that, that uh, Parker can do that because I don't know if there's a lot of arms left at South Carolina. You know, Veach, of course, will get drafted. Noah Hall was a dude and got injured this year, uh, and everybody's had to deal with that. But this search has gone on longer than a lot of our fans anticipated. But if it ends with Justin Parker, this is the home run, period. There are times during this search I thought, you know what, we're going to end up having to just settle for. This is not settling. This is one of the top pitching coaches in the conference and in the country. And just getting him to campus is a big deal. But you got to close, right? It doesn't matter if you've got the lead after eight. You got to have it after nine. So it appears that Lamonis and company have done a good job incentivizing Justin Parker to consider our job. So the rumors on Thursday evening that he had turned the job down, completely false. And again, yesterday, they said, hey, my friend at South Carolina, one of them said, hey, listen, I'm hearing that, uh, you know, they've actually had some contract talks, but nothing's going to get settled until they get things settled with Kingston. And if you're Justin Parker, it's one of those things, too. You're beginning to think, why do I have to sit around and wait for this? I've, I've, my dedication and my loyalty is to my family. I got to make sure that the little guy gets to eat. I got to make sure the wife, you know, has a level of comfortability with her life. Justin Parker also making $206,000 a year. And here's the thing, too, I'll say about that. And listen, there are a lot of people out there working for peanuts. But when you consider the time away from family and the stress and the anxiety that goes along with coaching in the Southeastern Conference, $200 feels like a paltry slum. It really, it really does. I guess it should be some, not slum, a paltry sum. $200,000, $206,000, I think, officially. If that's what he's getting paid, that is criminal. Absolutely criminal. Because it never ends in college baseball. It never ends. You don't have the time off. And so there's some weeks you got four and five games a week and you're traveling all the time. And then as soon as that's over, you're on the road recruiting. You know, you got the wooden bat tournament, you know, out there in Cobb, Georgia. You got to go to the Cape, recruit portal players. I mean, there is no downtime. And for, if you took, well, Steve, I'll do it for $200,000 for sure. But what about when your contemporaries are all doing it for more? They're doing the same job for more. And you're at a baseball crazy school like South Carolina. And one of the things that I've been told is, you know, a lot of it's because of their commitment to women's basketball. And in no way am I trying to suggest that's the wrong move. But when you have a basketball program at the height of Don Staley's career, you, you want to stay there. You want to stay there. I mean, you know, we've experienced that. You know, with Vic Schaefer, it's like, hey, we got so used to winning. Even though we were losing a ton of money, you're like, hey, I want to stay there. Because most of your sports lose money. Right, But if, you, if you're going to lose money, I want to win championships or at least compete for them. And so they are very much financially invested in Don Staley's success, as they should be. I'm not in any way suggesting they should reallocate resources. However, 
you've got a finite number of dollars to spend. And so all of a sudden, you know, baseball becomes one of these situations. You, you know, maybe Ray Tanner's like, hey, I don't want to favor baseball over the other sports. I want to keep my job here. And so in the end, I don't think that South Carolina can pay Justin Parker what we're willing to pay him. And I think that's why he's on that plane. I think the uncertainty at South Carolina, and, and let's just call it for what it is, what it appears to be a lack of financial commitment to baseball at South Carolina, and then all the, the unsettled nature of the Mark Kingston thing. And there are a lot of people that told me if Kingston, if they hadn't made the big run in the tournament this year, he may have been fired. And so you, with that backdrop, you're going to go sign an extension. you got to wonder, too, if you have Ray Tanner. Like, you would suspect that, uh, you know, maybe you're going to, you know, offer an extension that is uh, beneficial to the school and say, hey, you know, can I take it or leave it? I mean, I, and that's just my opinion. I don't know that. But if he was already, you know, a guy that maybe they were unsure about, and all of a sudden he makes super regionals, I mean, maybe there's some language in the contract that automatically generates a rollover. Maybe you're saying, you know what, we're not going to give you a raise, we're not going to increase the buyout, but we'll give you another year of contract. And maybe that's part of the issue. But if you're Justin, you've got to consider all those things. And then there's this opportunity at Mississippi State. Now, under normal circumstances, it would be a no-brainer. It'd be an absolute no-brainer. Like, if, if this is last year, like if Lamontis has had the one bad year, you'd think, well, you know, for sure I got two years to go figure this thing out. So, yeah, I'll take that job at Mississippi State that may double my salary. But there are obviously going to be some situations where you think, you know what, you know, what if it doesn't happen for Lamontis next year and I've moved my family? You know, maybe what you have to do is give him a two-year guarantee. That way, hey, if he does have to move his family, at least that there is a nice financial uh, windfall to kind of cushion that blow, right? And Justin Parker's a very talented guy. Now, I think it's important to understand, too, that Justin and uh, Lamontis have a bit of a relationship already. So, and not to mention, well, they were here just, what, eight, nine weeks ago? So he's not coming down here uh, to go eat at Bulldog Burger Company. I mean, that, that may be worth the trip to many people. Yeah, I'm going to get on a Learjet and I'm going to fly down and go have, uh, have the spring rolls. You know, maybe you got a big date and you need to look better looking. You know, I don't know. But the fact that he's on that plane is something that should be an encouragement to you. If he wasn't interested in the job, if it was just some, you know, positioning to get a better contract from South Carolina that's not guaranteed, you wouldn't get on a plane. You don't get on the plane unless you're serious about taking the job because you just saw the facilities. You were just here. You just had a chance to go, you know, roam around Starkville a little bit. And maybe that's the part of it now. Maybe you come down here and you get to see the rest of the inner workings of the Bulldog baseball uh, experience. And uh, maybe you move some people around and say, hey, let's go. Uh, yeah, and I'll be honest with you. We, got, we have some great people here in Starkville. <laughs> if I was recruiting Justin Parker, and I'm not, but if I was – I would bring Julie Bishop up from, from Madison. I would say, Julie, can you get a group of ladies together and let's go spend some time with Justin's wife and you guys go show around Starkville. Maybe you go have lunch and maybe you show where you shop and maybe you show where you live and things like that. And you know, Julie doesn't live here, but she spends an awful lot of time here. And then I'd have Justin go hang out with the guys and go look at the facilities and, and whatever. And then we'd reconnect for dinner. But I'm going to be recruiting the wife as much as I am the husband. 
Because husbands are competitors, and there's some women that are too, but he's the coach, right? But if I want to give her a comfort level, I'm going to bring her in, and I'm going to recruit her. Just like we do with football players, right? You bring the football players in, you turn them loose with their hosts, and then you have, you know, the coaches and their families and their wives, and they all come in, and, you know, you bring mom and dad around, they all get a chance to bond and spend some time together. But it wouldn't just be about facilities. To me, it would be about quality of life. Because there have been some times in the past we've had some wives kind of put the brakes on deals. So, you know what, I don't, I don't know that I want to raise my family there. I think Starville's a great place to raise a family. I've raised mine here. But I also have a guy that grew up with an allegiance to Mississippi State. So, again, I don't know if those things are happening. You know, maybe the baseball wives are going to do something like that. But um, I know that's what I would do. There would be no question about it. You bring them in, you roll out the big maroon carpet, you show them around. Uh, so can we get a decision this weekend? I don't know. You know, does Justin Parker come down here and think, you know what, I'm sold on this, let's go? Or does he go back and say, man, this is a tough decision. I really want to stay at South Carolina. I can't answer that. And I think nobody really can at this point. I think Justin's got to come in here and, and see Mississippi State up close and personal and sit down with Lamonis. And I, I tell you, one of the things that I've heard, I've talked to so many Major League Baseball scouts, and I, I've joked with some people too, that if you ever want to know the, the true soap opera in college baseball, Talk to the MLB scouts. I don't know if they're just a, a sounding board for college coaches, but if you ever want to hear what's really going on and how coaches and programs are perceived, MLB scouts have great information. They do. And that's how I learned a lot of these things. I talked to these scouts and found out how we're perceived. But I'll tell you, one of the things that I've heard from multiple Major League Baseball scouts, and this is something that uh, – my son, Ani, kind of picked up on, and some other people that are very baseball savvy, you know, discussed on the jeanspage.com message boards, is that all of our pitchers look the same. And what I mean by that is, is like we never give anybody a different look. You know, we don't have that guy to come in here to give you the Caleb Reed, you know, dose of sliders. We don't have the Zach Neff. We don't have Jonathan Holder that can drop, drop the 12-6, um, you know, Uncle Charlie on you. We don't have that. So you don't have a variety of looks. It's like, okay, the thing that I've always learned about changing pitchers, it's not just about fatigue or control. I want to give you a different look the next time through the order. So I may give you that, you know, overhand righty the first two times, three times through the order. And then all of a sudden I'm going to bring you some matchup guys in and all of a sudden you've stacked your lineup with lefties. Well, I'm going to bring in a lefty and chew up those left-handers. And then when you adjust to that, I'm going to bring in my closer and we're going to close this thing out. But if I'm just going to trot the same guy out there with the same mix, you know, maybe all I've got is the fastball and the slider. Maybe I'm trying to throw the, the four seam and get some rise out of it or I'm going to get that slider away. You become very predictable. Very, very predictable. you got to give guys a different look. And we didn't do that. We didn't do that. I think in the recruiting aspect, we got so caught up on analytics, we, didn't, we forgot that aspect of things. i got to give you a different look. And that's one of the things that makes Chris Veach at South Carolina so ridiculous to hit is a guy throws four pitches and they all tunnel from the same arm slot. It's a different look every time through. And then all of a sudden you bring, you know, his delivery is a little bit different than others. And so he's not looking like Noah Hall off the mound, right? So we have, we got very, very, very typeset in many respects pitching wise we're doing the same thing over and over. We're just bringing a different guy that's doing the same thing the guy before him did. You know, calling the same pitches, 
throwing the same pitches. Maybe you can't execute them at the same level. You know, and so I think that's what you got to do is you got to bring a guy in that can give you different looks. You know, I know some guys out there, it's one of the things you find out that a pitching coach says, hey, what if we did this and they change your arm slot a little bit? You know, we've got some guys coming in that got, um, you know, multiple arm slots. Guys that do things different. You know, what, one of the things that made Ethan Small so great wasn't just Velo. I mean, in fact, uh, Ethan lost Velo after Tommy John surgery, but he learned how to pitch. And remember the little hesitation thing he would do? He would do things to just change people's timing mechanism. That's one thing Frank Montgomery and I talked about is you got to be able to change speeds. you got to be able to get guys out on their front feet. And if all we're doing is throwing fastballs and sliders, you can't do that. I mean, you go back and look at what, what, look at what made Houston Harding great for us. They got through three variations of a changeup. It's a different look. It's a different pitch. And, of course, it tunnels from the same slot the fastball does. So, all of a sudden, we're thinking fastball, fastball. So, your eyes are telling you you got to swing. You got to fire that back hip. And next thing you know, that thing just kind of dances up there and you miss it by two feet. We had not had enough variation in pitching. That is as big a deal as anything. And all of a sudden, you bring in the right pitching coach. You can take some guys that are talented. There are some that, that need some work. But there are some guys that are very talented that I think you're going to see take a jump next year just because you've got a pitching coach. You can say, hey, let's, let's do this a little bit. Rather than this, rather than focus so much on spin rate and analytics and things like that, let, let's try to get guys out, right? And then the rest of it will figure itself out. I think it's important to understand. So am I optimistic about Justin Parker? I am. Am I telling you he's the guy? I'm not. But I think the fact that they are on their way here, and as I'm sitting here recording, I've got two texts that say, hey, Parker's here. Parker's here. Now, I don't. those people are not on campus. You know, that's kind of like two degrees removed from the situation. You know, that's a friend of a friend of a friend type, type situation. People are saying, hey, Parker's here. So we'll see. If that's true, I think this thing's about to wrap up. I really do. I think it's about to wrap up. And, uh, again, I can't say that with 100% confidence because they may get down here and just decide, you know what, I don't know if it's the place for us. And that's that's okay, too. But if we get Justin Parker to be our pitching coach, I think you're going to see Mississippi State baseball take a very big step forward uh, next year. All right, final segment of show brought to you by Portico. If you're looking to move to the Golden Triangle, uh, that's the bottom line. You need to move to Portico. Golden Triangle, a great place to live, a great place to work, a great place to consider just about everything in life, right? I mean, it's important to understand that the Golden Triangle is where you want to be. You came here one time, you come here all the time to go to ball games. Well, wouldn't it be great to live here? Wouldn't it be great to live here? Reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan. Uh, just one of a great group of individuals that are uh, bringing this wonderful development to Starkville Portico. Brooks's phone number is 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. Get all the information you need to make Portico your next move. Very easy to find. Turn off 82112, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. You know, we'll see, right? You go to that four-way stop on the right-hand side, there's Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between. You need a custom build that can accommodate that. 
All right. And uh, make, make the move. And make Portico your next move. While I'm in the middle of this ad, I get another, another text that says they're on the way to pick up Parker. And somebody else says that Parker's already here. So either way, there's a lot of stuff going on. We hadn't, I can't confirm. Again, people say, oh, he's here, he's here. Then person, one person says, oh, they're on the way to get him. You know, I've seen the fly to wear stuff. So I don't know what to believe, but I think it's reasonable to assume that Justin Parker will be on the Mississippi State campus at some point uh, this weekend. Maybe it's now, maybe it's later. You know, if, if it's now, they had to go pick him up extremely early in the day. So maybe that's not correct, but we'll see. But uh, I do think things are kind of trending positively, and we'll see how things go. We need Big Limb to come close this thing out. All right, speaking of closing out, man, college baseball uh, World Series, college World Series, and it'll always be the CWS to me. You can call it whatever you want to. It is the CWS. It is the College World Series. I'm not changing. You can do what you want to. But what two great games we had yesterday. How incredible is this, man? It's like, and, again, it's a reminder we're not there. It is. It is. At the same time, too, let, let's kind of get beyond that. Let's get, kind of get beyond ourselves here and uh, kind of look at the excitement level, man, of uh, what's happening in college baseball. And I want to be there, too. I mean, I'm jealous of everybody that's in Omaha right now covering college baseball. So many cool things that are happening there. So Florida in the nightcap last night, you talk about a great ball game. Did you watch that? I, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. So Florida and Virginia, you talk about a meltdown on the mound. I don't know what Brian O'Connor was thinking. It's like Brian got caught up watching the game instead of coaching the game. And so it's, you know, was it a five to three ball game going to the bottom of the ninth? Ryapel hits a jack, and that thing was, you talk about a smoke wagon. Goodness gracious. That ball gets out of there in a hurry. All right, now let's go, let's go, let's go. And then, they, then Langford sits on a changeup and hits that thing a ton. I mean, he was so ready for that, he hit it to the concession stands. Now, all of a sudden, it's a tie ball game. Bases loaded, they finally change pitchers. They get down a 2 0 count and give up an RBI sack fly to center field. And Florida walks it off. And you guys know Florida's my pick to win the whole thing. And if you saw those guys last night, how tough they are, how athletic they are, and how that offense is, they play well in Omaha. They're going to play well in Omaha. It's a big win last night. And that's even I thought, you know, if they get in the loser's bracket, they may be okay because of the fact that they've got so much pitching. But to take down Virginia, that was big. Now, the bottom half of the bracket played the early game, and it's Oral Roberts. Strike up the Golden Eagles, man. Oral Roberts takes down TCU 6-5. to five. So, tomorrow evening at 6 p.m., Oral Roberts and Florida will play the winner's bracket game. And you go 2-0, man, it's so incredibly important there's a good chance you're going to be in the final. TCU and Virginia will be playing an elimination game uh, tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Central. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of like TCU in that thing. Virginia may be the first team eliminated from uh, from the College World Series. But Florida in a great position now, and uh, you think if Florida can get by Oral Roberts, and we talked about how this side of the bracket I thought was easier, and it is, Florida could be sitting pretty. Uh, come Sunday, be 2-0, and kind of waiting for the traffic to clear and needing to lose twice. 
against uh, Oral Roberts and TCU that will have to expend a lot of pitching just to get back to the opportunity to play in the bracket final. Very, very significant. All right, on the other side of things, uh, this afternoon we'll have Wake Forest and Stanford. That should be a great game. Wake Forest offense, uh, again, I'm curious to see how it plays at Omaha. You know, as somebody described to me, they kind of play in a silo out there. I mean, it's... It's a home run factory at Wake. Stanford is a team that does all the little things well. They got some athletes. They don't hit for a ton of power. They do hit for some. But I think a line drive approach is what plays well at Omaha. And I think Stanford's capable of doing that. But what, you know, how are they going to handle this pitching matchup? You know, this could be a game that's over in about 90 minutes. But Stanford can give Wake a game. I'm, I'm just curious to see, you know, Wake Forest, what happens, and Elijah McAmey and I talked about this, that there were some balls in 18 that uh, he said, you know, out in BP, he goes, I'm hitting balls that are um, well out of duty noble field that are 20 feet from the track at Omaha. So what does that do mentally to a hitter? It's like you go up there and you think you got it all, and it ends up being a routine fly ball. What does that do to your approach? And if you're a team that is content or intent on playing home run derby, it's going to be a frustrating day. That's why you know, I could see Stanford winning this game. Obviously, Wake has some juice. They also have some pitching. But I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But Stanford is a, is a team that will run the bases a little bit. They will bunt. They'll pull out of pressure on the defense. That's going to be a very entertaining, entertaining game. Similar styles in some respects. But I think Stanford's a team that probably plays the small game a little bit better. LSU-Tennessee, that's going to be your game tonight. That's the one you want to see, right? LSU and Tennessee. Now, Skeens against Dollander, I think that's the matchup we're going to get. LSU and Tennessee played a three-game series. LSU won that series. Of course, Tennessee, big winners on Sunday when LSU ran out of pitching. I think that the key to winning this game for Tennessee is you have to run Skeens' pitch count up. And you've got to stay in the game until you can get to the uh, the bullpen. You know, Gidry, of course, has kind of emerged in the closing role for LSU. It's breaking ball city with him. I, I, I would just sit breaking ball. That's the thing. When you've got a guy that has a dominant pitch, you know at some point in the bat you're going to see it. So in, in some respects, as great as that pitch is, it makes him somewhat predictable. But when you get it, you can't miss on it. That's what happens. And I think if you're, if you're facing Gidry, I'm just going up there. I'm sitting breaking ball. And if he throws a fastball by me, so be it. You know, I'll choke up and take a two-strike approach when I have to. But I'm going to step in there and I'm going to say, you know what, hey, you throw that breaking ball, I'm putting a good swing on it. And with Skeens, you know, a four-pitch mix where everything tunnels and everything is coming with a high velo, you know, I, I think you got to make him uncomfortable. But you got to figure, if you're Tennessee, you got to treat this game like a war of attrition. You got to go out there and take pitches. And that's the thing with Skeens, too. I mean, this is a guy that fills up his own. He doesn't walk many, many people. But you got to do things to make him uncomfortable. You got to wait him out as best you can. You can't go up there and have a lot of one, two pitch at bats. You got to find a way to get in that bullpen. Because at Tennessee, I, listen, they'll learn. They've seen him before. We hadn't seen a lot of pitchers like Paul Skeens. We just hadn't. And uh, give Wes Johnson and those guys credit for taking a great pitcher and making him even better. Uh, again, I, I won't be surprised if Tennessee finds a way to upset this thing. I don't think they get to Skeens. I think what you have to do is hope Dollander can keep LSU 
at bay until you can get Skeens out of the ballgame. Now, Skeens will probably be thinking, you know what, I'll throw low as long as I have to. And if he does, maybe that you know prevents him from coming back later. But uh, I think this is the game that we're all kind of looking forward to seeing tonight, this LSU-Tennessee game. I know I am. But for some reason, I just like Tennessee in this ballgame. I, I, I can't really describe that why. But I think, number one, I don't think the LSU – outside of Tommy White – I don't think there's a ton of guys in this lineup that can hit with near the same proficiency when it comes to power numbers that they did at Alex Box. Those wall scraper home runs from Jordan Thompson and some of those guys at the box will be 50 feet from the fence at Omaha. And again, what does that do to the mental aspect of things? When you think, okay, I've got it, and you look up and there's a guy just kind of settling under the baseball and you're out. What does that do to your approach? Can LSU make the adjustment? Because they're not a team that just strings it together. They're not a team that goes out there and, you know, puts together four or five hits in an inning. They're not a doubles team. They're a power team. And when the power is removed and you have to play baseball, you know, what happens? And Tennessee obviously has some juice too. But their approach to play, even though they have some launch angle stuff in there, they're, they're content to go out there and hit line drives and make you work deeper in the counts. I mean, yeah, they're, they're hunting for the fastball. But uh, I think we're going to see a much more patient approach with Skeens. And Tony may completely surprise us. But um, I think this is going to be a great ball game. I, I really, really do. So, again, I think your winners today, I think Wake probably does it. And I'm going to call the upset with Tennessee. And I, I may look completely stupid. I mean, LSU may go out there and just absolutely destroy Tennessee. And I know Skeens is on the mound. I just – for some reason, I think Tennessee is going to find a way. And maybe it's just my heart because I don't want LSU to win it. I won't be surprised if LSU wins. But I think Tennessee, I think their offense will play in Omaha. I don't think LSU's offense will play. And this may not be an offensive game with uh, Dowlander and Skeens on the mound. It may boil down to you know, kind of like we saw with UVA in Florida last night. I mean, you had two really, really good starting performances. And then the bullpens, you know, had to kind of – battled this thing out, and uh, Virginia couldn't do it. So, should be an interesting day, for sure. So, we get two games today, two games tomorrow. I'll be back with you on uh, on Monday, and we'll kind of break it down again. But uh, I'm enjoying the College World Series. I'm enjoying uh, watching college baseball. But, again, it is a stark reminder that we're not there. So, hopefully, we can get this Justin Parker thing closed out, put ourselves in a position in the next couple of years to get this thing done. But uh, I'll just reiterate again. Justin Parker is one of the – like, if you go back and look at our, our pitching hot board, and uh, I'm going to do that right now real quick before we get out of here. We have had Justin Parker on our list from the beginning for a reason. And then I had some people tell me, I don't know, a week, two weeks ago, that Justin Parker wasn't looking to make a move this year. Yeah, the pitching coach board went up May 22nd. So nearly a month, and Justin Parker was on it. So this is not, hey, we're getting down the list or whatever guys are telling us. No, this is a guy that was identified as a priority candidate very earlier in the search. At least got done playing baseball last weekend. And so if we can get this done, it's very, very significant. This would be, in many respects, probably the best-case scenario. If you'd gotten Jason Jackson from Alabama, I think you'd feel really good about that. Of course, you'd get Corey Mascara. You'd love that, but uh, I don't think that's – that's in the cards, yeah, of course, in Wake Forest. And if you hadn't seen Wake Forest play, uh, you should be pretty impressed with what they do on the mound uh, today. But that's my thoughts on the matter. And, uh, again, we'll get back. Hopefully on Monday we're ready to make an announcement. 
hopefully. If you had done so, go to dogpilebook.com. You can get uh, most of my sports books there. You can get Dogpile. You can get Alpha Dogs. Matter of fact, uh, I was at Book Martin Cafe yesterday, and a, a young lady was buying Alpha Dogs for her dad for Father's Day. How cool was that? Uh, they also have a Flim Flam there, and uh, you can get that through our warehouse. Go to dogpilebook.com. You get Alpha Dogs, Dogpile, and Flim Flam. Starkville one's completely sold out. You'll have to get that from a bookstore. What there is, it's available, and there's not much out there. If you're looking for Bloomsville Leander, you need to act quickly. That's going to be going out of print soon. You can get it at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com. And, of course, I've got a new book coming up and uh, way ahead of schedule on this thing and uh, should be out for you guys uh, late September, early October. We'll keep you abreast of that. We'll have a pre-order link very, very soon. If you need a Stark Villains link, go to StarkVillains.com and you can get Stark Villains gear. Uh, I think every Boneyard listener probably deserves a Stark Villains shirt. And so maybe you treat yourself to that. I love going to the ball games and seeing people wear those Starkville insurance. I think it should be synonymous with Starkville. Not just because I came up with it, because I think it's super cool. And if you're not a member of jeanspage.com, what are you waiting for? Come on and check us out. You'll be glad you did. We'll be in fall camp soon. We're going to be wrapping up our, our uh, high school and junior college prospect camping coverage here in the uh, days ahead. And we do have some interviews we've kind of squirreled away. But uh, before you know it, man, we're going to be SEC media days, and then we'll be in the fall camp. So the dog days of summer, we'll be we'll be humping for you to kind of get some information out there for you. But the reality of it is, is you got a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that uh, are going to be on your campus here in the next, uh, you know, several weeks. They're going to be very significant uh, to Mississippi State athletics moving forward because of the fact that we're going to be making some hires, we're going to be getting some commitments. We're going to be getting some things taken care of. So be sure and come by to jeanspage.com, the undisputed kings in Mississippi State athletics coverage. That's it for today. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.